Welcome to Campus Connections, a podcast dedicated to communicating with one another. You can find us on Podbean and your favorite streaming site. And you may contact us at podcast at mccollege.edu. We look forward to hearing from you. Today we have a wonderful guest with us today, Dr. Angel Resto, our Director of Business Programs. So welcome, Dr. Resto. How are you? Uh, very good. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Great that you're here. Looking forward to our conversation. Been wanting to speak to you, as I mentioned earlier, uh, about business programs and our business experience. We, ho- we both have similar experiences and you're now doing education. So looking forward to our conversation. How was your summer? Oh, my summer has been, I mean, good. I still feel that summer has not ended. So. That is true. This, I mean, we still we're already in fall I weather. Know, but. I know. Yes, but it's it, it was a good summer. Um, I did a lot of different things, uh, professionally and personally, and um, and and now I'm ready for the next season. Yes, very much so. It's already upon us. I this know. This wonderful weather that we have. Of course. But that's why we love <laughs> Chicago. I love Chicago. Chicago weather. Chicago, it's great. Fall weather is the best. Yes. Although I do miss the summer, summer weather too. <laughs> All right. So you're the director, our director of our business programs at Midwestern Career College. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, well, I oversee three programs, the uh, accounting, uh, marketing, and business administration programs. Um, and um, I make sure that our students uh, get the best learning experience that they are able to uh, acquire in higher education. Um, and I do curriculum development, uh, student advising, uh, faculty training. I also, uh, I'm in charge of leading all our faculty members. Uh, so I do a little bit of everything, but the main goal is to ensure that I provide a good academic environment for all our students. Now you started your uh, academic education getting a bachelor's degree in uh, economics, is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How did you decide on doing economics? Because I know at least one staff member here, we talked about economics and she wasn't too fond of it. How did you decide on economics? Well, actually, uh, when I was uh, 18, I, was, I always thought that I would like to become an engineer. Uh, my father always wanted me to become an engineer. Um, and I got to engineering school when I first started in college. That, by the way, I got into college when I was 16. Is that right? Yes. I was fortunate uh, to attend a, uh, a good school in Puerto Rico. Uh, it's kind of, it was kind of a, the hybrid between a uh, boarding school and a magnet school. So I was able to do or complete two uh, high school grades in one year. So I did 11th and 12th grade in one year. And of course, only good student can attend that school. So I was lucky enough that they chose me to be part of their, their student body. Um, so that's how I, I was able to advance uh, my high school years. Uh, so I, was, I graduated at 16 and went to college at 16. So I was wow. on my own. How was ex- that? Exploring the world. <laughs> I can't imagine going to college at 16. Without my parents away from home. And I really loved it. Uh, and Somehow that experience just taught me how to be more independent, although I had to rely on my family. I, um, I was not able to work, so right. money-wise, I had to <laughs> uh, depend on them. But, uh, but I, I became more independent, um, and through that independence also, I was able to make my own decisions, and sometimes they were not the best. 
So, like any young sixteen-year-old. So originally, I wanted to become an engineer, and that's when I went for school. But then I didn't like it. Uh, the classes I was taking, it was not for me. I'm not sure if because I was too young to be thinking about that future. Uh, but then I had a, a conversation with my advisor, uh, and somehow I ended up liking more business and economics. Uh, and then I had to switch major to economics, and that's how I was able to finish my <laughs> bachelor's degree in economics. Yeah, I when I first started college, uh, I started as an engineer. I wanted to be an engineer. Oh, okay. um, I had a, I still do have a family friend who's an engineer, worked, uh, worked for People's Gas. He's retired now. And I'm like, I'm going to be an engineer. So I took all these engineering classes, math, science. I spoke about that in previous episode. And this friend of ours used to tell my parents, I think Gio should really think about physical education. And then my parents told me this and I'm like, I'm not going to do physical education. I'm going to do engineering. Sure enough. Now I have a degree in physical education. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. If I would have just listened back then, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wasted so much time. Yeah. But I think that somehow those decisions that we make when we are younger somehow shape who we are now. So, right. you know, that's how life is. That's how life is. Yes. And you then went ahead and got your uh, master's MBA in finance. Yes, yes. Um, uh, as when I finished my bachelor's degree, I went to work for the government. I became one of the economists for uh, a governmental agency in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, I was an economist analyst, uh, and uh, working with more people in economics and and, and dealing with uh, statistics. Somehow I decided, hey, maybe I should do something else besides uh, economics. And I went for finance. Uh, And because my job really required me to know more about finance, so I said, why not? So that's how I uh, pursued an MBA in finance uh, in Puerto Rico as well. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you a couple years ago, a few years ago, I, I, I thought... I had the real, uh, uh, the idea of pursuing a financial advisor. And I did start a program online and it it was okay. I, I, you know, I I did, I did like it. There were some things, some aspects, you know, when you get into stocks and bonds and stuff like that, "Eh, I'm not sure that I like that too much, but, but then life happens, you know, and then I, I didn't continue with the program. Now, you started work in the banking industry, correct? Yes. I spent 18 years of my life Oof, in banking here in years. Chicago. Yes. Yeah. My sister uh, also has a degree. I'm not sure if it's in finance. It could just be business. But she's been working in banking for a long time. She works now for the state of okay. Illinois. She's doing great. With that comes a lot of stress. Of course. Bank- <laughs> banking and finance. I know. It's high stress yes. stuff. Can't- yes. Yeah, How were you able to deal with it for 18 years? Well, throughout those 18 years, I did a little bit of everything. Uh, so I became, the, my first job was as a teller. So I was a regular teller. Uh, then within weeks, they promoted me to a commercial teller. Um, and back then, I did not speak English. So 
and that was in Chicago. And I moved to Chicago and, you know, I had to survive. So I had to put aside all my degrees and say, no, I need a job. I need to do something. Uh, so that's why I, I, I'm just I was just a teller uh, in a bilingual credit union. Uh, where I was able to speak a little bit of English, but the rest was in Spanish. Uh, and, but then I, I learned quick. So within weeks, I became a commercial teller. Um, and then somehow uh, there was another bank here in Chicago. It was called Banco Popular. Um, we no longer <laughs> have the bank in Chicago. Uh, but I applied to a position there weeks before, and uh, they called me, uh, and I became a banker. A personal banker. Uh, then I went to school in uh, Triton College for my ESL courses. Uh, I completed two classes and then one day I received a phone call from the president of the credit union that I used to work before and he said, hey um, Angel, I know that now you work for Banco Popular um, and we need someone with an accounting and finance degree uh, and we have an opening. Would you like to apply? I say yes. So from Bank of Pular, then I became uh, director of accounting and finance at the credit union that originally gave me a job when I did not speak any English. But back, I mean, at that time, I was more comfortable with my English language skills, and then that's what I did. And from there, I became general manager, then branch manager, and then Bank of America came to Chicago, and I went for their interviews, and I got hired. Uh, I opened the third branch of Bank of America here in downtown Chicago. Is that and, right? Yeah, Madison and Canal was my branch. Wow. So I became a financial center manager. I believe that was the title. Um, and worked for them in several locations. I ended up working at the Little Village location because they needed a Hispanic manager. Then I went to 52nd and Pulaski when they needed also a bilingual Spanish manager. And then I said, okay, let me try another institution. And I went to work for a Fifth Third Bank. Of course, much bigger pay, <laughs> much bigger responsibilities. Uh, and that's how, you know, I, I, you know, completed my banking um, experience. But then out of the sudden, I decided, let me go back to the credit union world because bank, they weren't, they were not making me happy. So I decided to go back to the credit union world, uh, which is a complete different financial institution. And then I spent, I think it was 13 more years or 14 more years. Uh, and then higher ed came to my heart and teaching, and I fell in love with teaching. Uh, by that time I was able to complete my PhD. And I said, why not? Let me just pursue teaching as well. So I was doing the banking thing on one side and teaching on the other, and I fell in love with teaching. And little by little, I decided, hey, one day I will, per I will fully embrace teaching. And that's how I ended up here. So you were, you, ha you already had an MBA. Yes. You were a government employee at, in, Port in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And then you came here to be a teller. Yes. Isn't that something? How... And this is, a, I think, a common theme because there's a lot of people, especially, and this is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, there's a lot of people at MCC, especially because of the ESL program, that come from other countries and, they're, and they are very highly educated and they're doing work 
I would say, beneath their academic and um, professional experiences. And it, it is, it is, I think, telling of, of the amount of knowledge, experience, and good people that we have at MCC that it, I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, and, you know, to hear those experiences that, hey, I was a... I was good somewhere else and I came here to be a teller. Um, I think it's a common theme among, I think, immigrants as well. Anybody that comes to the U.S. that ha- that have to leave their countries or wherever they're from to seemingly try to get a better uh, life here and then end up <laughs> doing far less than they're, they're allowed to do. You mentioned, well, let's see, I, I got into, when I got my degree in education, I really thought that's what I wanted to do, go into education. I didn't go into education right away after my degree. I, I, I was in the, and I have always been most of the time, in physical education, recreation, athletics. That That's really been what my field has been. I decided to try out being a school teacher. Um, and it was okay. It, it wasn't really what I thought it would be. Um, so then I, I came back to um, being in recreation, athletic facility management, which is what I've always done. How did you decide to get into into teaching? What brought you into the teaching uh, realm? Um, so somehow uh, the only way I was able to survive in the banking industry was to, I mean, first of all, in banking, it's all about sales. We need to produce. We need to sell loans, accounts, credit cards. It's, that's that's part of the game. Uh, but in that process, uh, sometimes I did not enjoy the scripted nature of the selling piece. Um, so I was seeing it as more educational. So instead of selling something, I was educating my clients about a product. And that's, I put that in my mind and that's, I was able to do it and I was good at it, uh, but I did not see, I mean, saw it as a selling something. I was just educating people. And working for the credit union, we did a lot of community services. And I was able to go out to the communities and provide financial literacy to many different communities in Chicago. Uh, and I love that contact with people. And uh, the branch that I was managing was in a, uh, uh, it was more of a Hispanic community. Uh, and I noticed a lot of need in terms of knowledge and education about finance and banking uh, within the community. So somehow in that process, I just enjoyed the teaching aspect of that. Uh, and, 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 and I really liked it. Uh, and then one day I, I, I applied to a part-time job at Northeastern Illinois University. They interviewed me and said, yes, come. We can, we can give you a chance to teach. And that's how I started. Uh, and since then, I haven't stopped. I've been working for Northeastern Illinois University for about 15 years now. 15 years. 15 years. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're still you're still teaching there. You're still yes, involved there, right? Yes. Yes. What are the differences between the credit union and a bank? Well, credit unions are member owned, um, and it's uh, they do have different type of charters or structure, uh, and uh, the members or banks are clients. Uh, they need to become part of that charter in order for them to open an account or be or receive all the benefits of the credit union. Uh, and you need to uh, fulfill some criteria that they create when they build those charters. Um, 
and the credit union provide the same services that any other financial institution, but um, provide more benefits to, to the uh, to the the members or the clients. Uh, and some of these credit unions are non for profit, so it's not about profit; it's about service. So they all the of course they need to generate revenues and and and, and profit, but everything is reinvested back into the members. So they can offer lower uh, uh, interest rate interest rate on loans better savings account rates, and more flexibility in terms of letting, lending needs. Uh, so they can be more flexible in terms of helping people because the idea behind a credit union is people helping people. And that's what I really liked about credit unions. That's why I went back to the credit union world after being in uh, corporate banking in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> yes. All right. And what... Um what led you to Midwestern Career College? Um, so, uh, after I was, uh, I mean, confident enough that I had to pursue a full-time uh, type of teaching job, so I started applying. Uh, I was, of course, working for Northeastern, uh, and uh, then I saw, I think it was an Indeed, uh, a posting about uh, a part-time job uh, as an instructor in business and said, well, okay, let me, let me see how it feels. Uh, and I did it. They hired me and the rest is history because after I became an instructor, a part-time instructor, uh, then I became a full-time lead instructor. And from there I became the director. Nice. Yeah. It's been quite a, quite a journey. Yes, yes, yes. And now you're the director of business programs here. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the program here at MCC. So our, our programs, uh, we have three business, uh, marketing and accounting. Uh, I have designed a program that really uh, prepare our students for the, for the, for, for the workforce. Uh, and somehow I have tailored our curriculum uh, to teach them the skills that they need to succeed. Uh, not only the technical aspect of business, but also the human side of business. And that's what I've learned from my experience in banking and, and in the credit union, that sometimes when we're so technical in the business side, we forget about people and we need people in order for the business to survive and thrive. So I'm trying to infuse that into our curriculum to ensure that our students are well prepared. So once they go and apply for a job, they are able to be successful. And that's what I, what I want to do. It's interesting, you know, I, I, I mentioned before and I mentioned to you, I have a, a master's in, in it's really sport management, uh, but it's really part of an MBA program with really a concentration in sports. So I have the, sa the same um, coursework and the same experience as someone who does an MBA, uh, but more related to sports. That's the only difference. Um, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is management and um, I say that because, you know, while when people go into business programs, management programs, obviously we're going to get that knowledge of the administrative side. How much do you spend on what you just talked about, which is the, the personal side, the understanding of what a manager needs to do? Yes, there's the administrative side, but then there's the actual people management side. Do you spend a lot of time on that or what's your philosophy on that? Uh, well, it's a balancing act because you need a little bit of everything. Uh, not all the time, but somehow you need to find that well-balanced uh, attitude 
where you can provide to the, your, your employees, your team, uh, the moral support that they need to be good at what they do, but also they need that technical aspect and support so, and combine both so that they can meet their goals. And as a manager, you need to fulfill a variety of goals. And part of that goal is not only the technical aspect of making <laughs> the business very profitable, but also make people happy and, and ensure that they strive and they do the best that they can based on the limited resources that sometimes we have to deal with, which is in management, it's always a, a, <laughs> a big issue managing limited resources, but trying to do the best uh, of that you can. And, and that's, I think that's how, um, as a manager, I was able to survive the changes in the environment to keep the clients happy. Of course, the shareholders happy, but at the same time, our clients uh, and the employees that were part of my team. And sometimes it's not an easy task, uh, but definitely, I guess my education kind of helped me propel to that level um, and gave me probably the tools that I needed to understand the complexities that sometimes I had to face. Mm -hmm. That I'm sure someone without a degree in business, maybe, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say that, would do less, but I know that in my right. case, uh, speaking from my personal experience, the education really gave me the structure that I needed to succeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been in for-profit before, and I know how, how stressful it is, how difficult it is. A lot of times, you know, especially in for-profit, the, the management seems to think that those that are the loudest or, or produce higher results should get their promotions or be in higher positions, which is not the case because... Especially, and I know for-profit is different, but when we talk about having limited resources, people's skills come into, into play because you need to be able to communicate with, with people about, hey, motivate them with very limited resources. Whereas for-profit, you have all these resources, which is really easy to motivate people, right? Mm -hmm. So that is something that I always take with me. And, and anywhere I go, I, I try to implement that into, it's people first, right? And then once you put people first, results will come. But for profit is results first, people second. So, you know, I'm not, I've been in for profit. I don't like it because of that. And maybe that's why I've been in, in a lot of um, not-for-profit uh, organizations and, you know, educational settings because it's a little bit different um, for that. Um, what is your experience with, you know, w with that topic with in relation to people skills versus for profit for profit numbers. Well, and I, I guess I have I have the same experience as you. Uh, and again, working in the banking industry was all for profit. Definitely was about business first, people second, if that's also an option. And unfortunately, um, sometimes we feel powerless uh, in position that we have because we cannot make bigger changes. Uh, but even though in for profit world, I did not have the leverage of my position to make big changes, but I was able to have a more, a more control in the environment that I provided for my staff and for my clients. So somehow I was infusing the human aspect in whatever I did. Um, 
even though I, I was not the loudest, I was not the, that person that they will go to because I was my personality was not that. that. Exactly. So, but I was able to fulfill my duties uh, and at the same time meet my financial goals, but at the same time meet my human goals and keep my staff, keep a lower turn, turnover ratio. Uh, so that way uh, I try my best to provide a good environment. And somehow that's what I want to, that's what I'm trying to do here at MCC. I just want to give not only to my students a great environment, but also uh, to my faculty. And I go above and beyond to provide everything I can, even though, as we all know, we do have limited resources, but I know that we can always do a very good job. Right, and you, and I didn't mention this before, but you have a P, you also have a PhD in finance, correct? Yes, yes. And now you're working on a second PhD in education. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Um, so my experience at MCC has been fantastic, um, and I appreciate uh, MCC for giving me this opportunity to learn more about me uh, and what I am capable of in terms of higher education. Uh, and becoming the director opened, uh, no, I don't know, uh, uh, a lot of different opportunities that I think um, I could be good at. Uh, and in that process, somehow I say maybe I can, yes, my business background can really help me, but I need to polish my higher education skills. Uh, yes, I have teaching experience, but I can do better. I, I would like to become a more efficient and effective administrator and, of course, a teacher. So then I decided, let me pursue another doctoral degree in higher education and see where life takes me. And I went for it. Um, and... Um, Yes, I'm a full-time student at Florida State University pursuing an EDD in uh, leadership policy, uh, uh, educational leadership and policy. And how do you want to use it? One of the things that when I taught was exactly that. that I looked at it from the, I guess, the student is one thing and the student experience is one thing. But then I looked at it from the... Uh, staff teacher experience as well are you looking at it and do you want to go into that because of the student or because of the the, the teacher policy the instructor policies um i'm not sure i think both because um i think there's so much that we can do in the student from the student perspective or the teacher's perspective right uh but I, that's why i want to be that kind of a connection between those two worlds because sometimes they don't communicate well. So as an administrator, I would like to provide that type of environment where students can establish good relationship with students, I mean with teachers and vice versa, because that's how we are able to create a much stronger sense of belonging for everyone, not only students, but also for teachers. And that enhances the, um, the learning environment for everyone. How did you end up selecting Florida State? Um, well, I applied to several schools, and I was accepted also at Indiana State University uh, and National Lewis, uh, and of course Florida. So I had three options to choose from, uh, but uh, Florida State program provided more flexibility in terms of this the class of the schedule that um, uh, National Lewis or Indiana State University did not provide. Plus, Florida State was ranked number 17 in higher education programs. And sometimes uh, prestige is important. So absolutely, I went for that. <laughs> um, and I believe some of our, our programs here are, are, are do cater, correct, to, to the working 
student to the non-traditional student? Yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, all the at, at Northeastern Illinois University, we serve uh, non-traditional students. So I've been dealing with uh, non-traditional student. I mean, for 15 years. Uh, so I clearly understand their struggles uh, and and what we can do as an institution to really help them strive. Uh, and when you apply that to uh, international students, which are um, the bulk of our student body here at MCC, um, I see that there's so much we can do for them. Um, and yes, we're not the perfect institution, but I'm, right now we are providing a good environment where they all can strive for whoever they are and from wherever they come from. And that's what I try to do, and that's why this type of education that I'm pursuing now uh, would really help me better understand their lives, and that's all that I want to do. Yeah, I uh, I started going to uh, to college at um, UIC University of Illinois Chicago. I I was such a good student there that I ended up going <laughs> to <laughs> I ended up going to Oakton Community College. Uh, and after Oakton, I'm like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, and I did apply to um, Illinois State, Western Illinois, and Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. I, I was accepted to all three, and like you, I had to choose one. Mm-hmm. I, I did go to all three. Uh, Illinois State, it just looked very, at the time, very, in, you know, in, impersonal. Uh, really big school, and I didn't like it. Um, I went to Western Illinois. Same thing, didn't, it was just smaller school, but I didn't feel any connection to it. When I went to Southern Illinois, uh, there was a really connect, a real connection because I met with the department chair and the instructors. And, you know, I, I, I was just there and, and the way they treated me and welcomed me really made that difference, which I think you can find at a smaller school. Um, and likewise, because MCC is a smaller school, I think you get that more personal experience, uh, personal touch homey feel that I think helps a lot of students, um, especially the non-traditional students get. Um, so you've done some events. You had an ice cream social not too long ago, didn't you? Yes. How'd that go? It went very well. And the idea behind that social ice cream event was just to ensure the student connect with the faculty and Mm -hmm. among each other, because that's how we are able to build a good environment. Yes. And sense of belonging, it's necessary for us to be happier wherever we are. Exactly. And by creating those intentional activities, we are little by little creating that or enhancing that sense of belonging among all our students and faculty. Yeah. And part of the PhD program that you're doing now, you're doing a study. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about that study. Is that part of your dissertation? Yes, it is my dissertation. Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, this, uh, my dissertation, it's about student re- retention and success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm using my experience here at MCC as the, uh, as the uh, dri- driven, driving for the, uh, the forces that are taking me to that place. Um, and the idea of my research is to determine the ex- or learn more about the experiences of our students uh, in terms of how they build sense of belonging and how that sense of belonging can really help them be successful, not only in school, but after uh, graduating from MCC. But I really wanted to uh, focus my studies uh, not only in sense of belonging, but also the student-faculty relationship and how that type of connection, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because of the connection that you felt through right. your uh, uh, the school option that you had really um, 
make you decide which one uh, help you feel better or 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 where you 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 thought you would do better because of the connection you you felt with those individuals. Um, so that's what I'm trying to find out with my research and see how uh, the student-faculty relationship can really help our students succeed academically and after because um, it's part of the learning experience. And connecting with people, finding that you belong to a place can really make a big difference. Uh, and uh, drawing from my own experience at Florida State, even though the school is in Florida, I feel so connected to my professors, to my classmate. It's incredible how feeling valued and be part of uh, that group can really help you, I mean, see life different. Of course. And yeah. that's why I think that's a very important uh, piece in at MCC because yeah, we're a smaller school and we try to create that homey feel uh, in our in, in our uh, on campus. Um, but we need to learn more about that. And that's why I wanted to see how um, we as an institution can create and foster an environment where our students feel valued, cared for, uh, and they can feel proud of, of being part of MCC family. Yeah, one of the interesting things that I found when you were doing your report was how MCC, even though we're a smaller school, we are at the average of some of the, you know, averages across all colleges in the U.S. What were some of the numbers? I think we're like in the same uh, average for retention or what, what are some of those numbers? So we have our, uh, our retention was 55 percent compared to 62, uh, which is the national average for same mm -hmm. type of school. Uh, and just finding that gap that we currently have, that's kind of I want to use my research to find out what's happening and how we can fix it, because mm -hmm. definitely we can fix it. Um, but we need to make some uh, institutional changes so that we can get to that level. And part of that is ensuring that our students feel cared for uh, and we provide all the different tools that they need because students are different. The need, their needs are different. Absolutely. And we need to make sure that we are able to personalize our, our approach to ensure that every single one of our students uh, can be successful. And yeah. of course, it's not a simple task. It's not. It takes yeah. time and resources, but uh, that's the goal for us to give every student the tools that they need. Uh, so we're trying to foster an equitable uh, academic environment where mm -hmm. whoever you are, Whatever you come from, you can be successful. Yeah, and and again, I you know I, I I go back to there's a lot of talent at MCC, and I think all those things can happen, and and we can grow to a much bigger school than we are now, uh, because we have good uh, with the resources that we have, we have really good amount of students coming in on a regular basis um, and I think with the talent that we have not only staff but also the students which you know in turn go out and and fulfill their academic uh, studies in their professional careers I, I, I think it's gonna it's only gonna get better so as we wrap up I think it's been a great conversation thank you so much for taking the time uh, look forward to perhaps down the line another episode and see how you know your studies have, have come along and you have a second PhD so I look forward to to our relationship 
you know, as professionals getting better and making this institution, you know, what we all think can, can really become. I want to remind our listeners that you can contact us, podcast.mccollege.edu, and we look forward to hearing from you and talking to you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Resto.